Hi, and welcome to the Mindset Diet Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Meinhart, certified health and life coach focused on helping women heal their relationship with food and exercise by changing their mindset. Like so many women, I spent so much of my life obsessed with diets, exercise, and weight loss, all because I wanted to be healthy and feel good about myself. And the funny part is, it backfired. I felt worse at the end than when I started. And this went on for years until I finally decided to dive deeper and ask myself the big mindset questions. And when I did, I was finally able to change my mindset, shift my focus, and create a positive relationship with food and exercise for good. So welcome to my podcast. I'll be giving you tips, tricks, and real-life experiences from my own life, along with interviewing therapists, coaches, and experts to bring you the best advice out there so you can begin to shift your mindset today. So let's jump in. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another fun and insightful episode of the Mindset Diet Podcast. Today, I am so honored to have my life and business coach on the show, Nicole Baker. Nicole is a life and business coach for perfectionists. And if you aren't sure if you're a perfectionist, keep listening. She's going to go through all of it. Um, And as she will tell you on the show, she helps perfectionists not just set goals, but actually follow through on them. And not only is Nicole a coach, but she's also the host of the Life Coach Baker podcast, which is linked in my show notes. So definitely check it out. And her entire podcast is centered on helping perfectionists go after and achieve their biggest dreams. In this episode today, Nicole and I discuss so many aspects of perfectionism and how it shows up in our everyday life, especially in the health sphere. We also chat about mindset shifts that you can make today to change your life and begin leaving perfectionism in the dust. I'm so excited to have her on the show. I think you guys are going to get so much out of this episode. So on that note, let's welcome Nicole. So Nicole, welcome to the Mindset Diet Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. For those that don't know, this is a very special episode because Nicole is, drumroll, my coach. (laughs) And she is the best and I will let her introduce herself. (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you so much for having me on. This is like the biggest treat and a half because not only do I adore you as a client, but like you and I have grown to be such good friends and this is just, (laughs) this is just so fun. Uh, Like Steph said, my name is Nicole. My name is Nicole Baker. I am a life and business coach for perfectionists, helping them not only set goals, but actually follow through with them because that is the real kicker, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) What I've noticed is that perfectionists are really good at setting goals. They are like, I want to become a millionaire. Oh, they like, they thrive off of them. It's like a little hit of cocaine, you know, we love Mm -hmm. it. Um, (laughs) Let's not make drug references. (laughs) Um, But it's like, you know, I want to be a millionaire. I want a hundred thousand followers. I want a six pack. I want to run a marathon, whatever the goal is for perfectionists. A lot of the times they're really good at coming up with goals. They probably have 40 as of right now. Maybe the listener Mm -hmm. who's listening to this has like 40 in their mind. But what I've realized is that with the high expectations that they put on their goals, because it's not just, I want to be a millionaire. It's I have to be a millionaire by tomorrow. I'm going to compare myself to all the other multimillionaires because one million is not enough suddenly. And then I am not the millionaire in one day. Oh my God, I suck, I suck, I suck. I'm a failure and, and seen. So 
it's the following through that really stumbles perfectionists because they either get so overwhelmed that they just halt and don't do anything because they're like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling motivated today. I'm just going to go, you know, <laughs> kick it until I do feel motivated. Or they're like, okay, if I'm going to be a millionaire, then I have to like floor it on the gas and burn themselves out until they're just like a puddle of tears. And like they spent a week doing a thousand miles an hour and they haven't achieved their goals. So they're like, well, I suck and I'm a failure. I'm never going to amount to anything. So that's what I do. <laughs> I help people not do those things. <laughs> oh my God. Nicole and I have this inside joke where she will say something and I will literally be like, oh, I'm called out. And like everything she said, just called out, called out, called out, called out. And this is why I hired Nicole. I came to her. I had such big dreams and I probably was like, yeah, like I'm a perfectionist, like whatever. It's a cute part of my personality. No, wrong. <laughs> I didn't even realize how much havoc I wreaked on myself being a perfectionist. And just to hear you reiterate and talk about what you do, I'm like, oh shit. Thank God I hired Nicole back then. The biggest issue that I have is I would get so overwhelmed that I wouldn't do anything. And then I would finally get like, oh, okay. I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm cool now. I'm going to start it. Go a thousand miles per hour. Like what you just said, then have a breakdown because I went too fast, too hard. Cry, 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 cry. Uh, call Nicole. So yeah. this is how <laughs> yeah. it would go. But working with Nicole, after working with her, I think we've been working together for, oh my gosh, like nine or 10 months now, a long time. Yeah, we're going up on a year. It's crazy. We're going. I luckily don't do that anymore. I I will box her sometimes and I'll be like, Nicole, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to have a breakdown. <laughs> don't. <laughs> no, you know what happens. <laughs> No, it's, and the thing is that it's so common. I have people like reach out to me way more often than I ever thought they would saying, Hey, I did not think I was a perfectionist. I thought that this was just how everyone was. And then I came across mm -hmm. your content and I watched a few of your reels, laughed my ass off, but then I realized, holy shit, that's me. <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. And I'm like, that's the thing is like, we see perfectionists as like this super type A, very rigid, like, you know, person who's like clicking the PowerPoint, making sure the photo is perfect for like three hours. Like that is a type of perfectionism. Sure. But there's so many other types, meaning like the type that's like, if I am not perfect on the first try, I can't go after X. Or yeah. one of my favorite ones is, um, uh, someone was talking to me a few, few weeks ago and they're like, well, I can't like go on social media and like talk about my business. And I was like, okay, like, why not? And they're like, I don't have enough followers. And I'm like, Okay. Like, let's talk about this. Cause like one of the ways that you have to get like, let's say amount of followers is to talk about what you do, you know, like kind of attract people mm -hmm. to you. Like there's obviously a million and a half other ways, but like they were so afraid because they weren't already at step a hundred. They were so afraid to even take step one. And it's just like that kind of mindset is so uh, unfortunately abundant right now, mm -hmm. um, with social media, with the 30 under 30 list. I saw an 18 under 18 list recently, what? and I wanted to throw a tree across the world. I was so mad. That's so terrible. Those kids don't need that pressure. It was awful. And they were all TikTok stars. And I'm just like, give me a 70 under 70 list. I right. want people who are like living their dream life at 104. Like it, it just, it curates this, like if you're not 18 and already having like 2.5 million followers on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, it's also not all about followers. There's so many other things. I'm just really on that one today, apparently. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, if you don't have this at the age of 18, then you're already behind or you're already a failure or you're already not going to amount to anything. So why bother? And oh, it just drives me crazy. So I literally am like, fuck the hustle culture. Let's yeah. get down and dirty and let's attack your goals. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously. I mean, you and I, we, after working with you, you instilled so hard in me what I call imperfect action. Do it if it's messy. Yes. Do it if you're not so good. Like, who cares? Just do it. Nike slogan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you put that. <laughs> but like, you put that energy in me of like, just get up, get out there, go for it. It doesn't matter if it's perfect. Yeah. You show up. Yep. And you're going to do it anyway. And there were so many times I did things so... Oh, sorry, Nicole. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> no, I was going to say there were so many times when I would do things and I would box you and I'd be like, Nicole, I really don't want to do this. And you'd be like, you got... You, it's Just get out there. Just do it. And I'd be like, but I really don't want to do it. And you'd be like, okay, Steph. <laughs> Let's unpack why. why? Really do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's talk about it. And it always, always, always came down to feeling like if I don't do it perfect the first time, I'm just never going to be good enough. Yeah. And it always came back to that. Yeah. So if you're wondering if you're a perfectionist and this all is resonating with you, tip of the day, just take imperfect <laughs> action. Just, just, just do it. <laughs> well, I've recently, I've recently coined it the, the first draft method is what I've started calling it recently, which basically is just like, cause perfectionist a lot. Of, and I still fall into this. This is still something I catch myself on. Uh, I fall into this pattern of like, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, it has to be absolutely perfect on the first try. And it's like that anxiety, that overwhelm of like, oh God, how do I get it perfect on the first try is enough of a stall for your brain to say, mm, nope. Okay. That's out of my comfort zone. I'm going to go to something that's comfortable like Netflix or like Zelda breath of the wild that we were just <laughs> talking about for a while. Um, you know, like these like super easy choices rather than the thing that scares you, that's actually going to move you forward. But that's because you put such a high expectation on it. When we minimize the expectation by saying, okay, well, rather than making it perfect on the first try, what if I just do a first draft version of this email? Mm -hmm. What would that look like? And then normally the first draft is good enough for you to send it, or it makes like, it needs two or three little tweaks, but it gets you to start taking action because it releases that pressure. Thank God. <laughs> oh my God. Thank God. I love that. That first draft version, if you guys don't know, Nicole does this with me a lot and it works so well. Like I will mm -hmm. say this, Nicole so, so, so knows what she's talking about with this stuff. And she is so fantastic at it. Like she can just cut right through your shit. She's cut through my shit so many times. <laughs> once you, once you've, once you've coached enough perfectionists, I feel like I'm like, I see patterns. Like I see major <laughs> patterns within people. And it's so fun to now be like, okay, they're a type like blah, blah, blah. Okay. If we can do this exercise, then it's like same, same, like, you know, like it's, everyone's a little bit different and everyone's got their own unique stuff, but there's different patterns that get people there. Like, you know, there's people who are procrastinating for a really long time and they just need to get their butt in gear, but it's really the mm -hmm. fact that they feel really overwhelmed and they are scared to get out of their comfort zone and the, like the fear of failure or whatever. And then there's the people who run a thousand miles a minute, like you and I tend to do <laughs> on time to time. And that like drive and burnout is actually fueled from this place of like, if I, like I'm behind, if I don't catch up, then I'm going to be behind or I'm going to be a failure or so on and so forth. So, you know, there's, there's these different patterns that you see within people. And luckily each of those patterns have different 
methods to get to an end result that leaves them feeling really, really good and what they want. But it's just, it's so interesting to see it just over and over and over again. And of course, there's every once in a while, I get like a nice little anomaly and I'm like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> like, you you're know. like, oh, you're spicy. But, um, <laughs> oh, we got a spicy nugget a here. Spicy one. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's really, it's really, really cool. Cause it's like, we all think that like, we're so alone in these problems. And especially with perfectionism, people tend to not talk about it. Or if they do, they're laughing about it because quote, you can't see me heavy air quotes here. Everyone feels this way. And when we're just laughing about it, like kind of tossing it off, it's just, it's honestly glorifying this style of work. And it's just, it drives me insane. So I could go on a little hyphy, hyphy high horse for a long time, but I won't. <laughs> if you, if you fall into that category though, like this is the podcast for you. Like, right. This talk. is your episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, speaking about all of this, do you mind telling your story to our audience? Talking about how what got you where you are, all about your perfectionism, all that good stuff. I think they'd enjoy hearing it. Absolutely. This is a, my, I like to say my story is really unique, but everyone says that. So maybe I should find a different way of starting it. <laughs> but I, I actually grew up in a family that was surrounded by personal development. So uh, both my parents worked in the field for many, many, many years with some of the top people in the industry. And I'm really fortunate to have grown up surrounded by these seminars and this language and these these teachings. And I remember so distinctly, we'd go to a, a seminar in Hawaii for two weeks every single year. And I remember watching these people just go through these like transformations of just like, oh my God, like I realized the only person that's in my way is myself and like having these limiting belief breakthroughs. And I just, I fell in love with that look, that, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was something I thrived off of. I loved these seminars. However, when I was in about like late elementary school, early middle school, I started getting severely bullied and, uh, long story short, it was for multiple years, but I remember very distinctly, there was one time I was like shoved into a bathroom. I was beat up verbally and, and physically. And I remember just like sitting there after it was all over, like sitting on the toilet and just like sobbing. And something connected in my brain that said, if you are not like them, or if you are not likable, if you are not perfect, if you are not everything that they need you to be, you will continue getting hurt. And of course, my survival kicked in and said, yep. you, your survival is at stake. Yep. And that sounds really dramatic, but when we're that age, and honestly, when we're any age, our, our survival brain will kick in like that and says, like, I feel threatened with my life. Here's mm-hmm. what this means. Totally. And I lived by that model for so many years. I played mm-hmm. so small. I kept quiet. I um, like was almost like a chameleon in the background. I felt like I was just like yeah. tiny. And I would people please like crazy. You and I talked about this a lot. Like I <laughs> yep. would literally like anything. <laughs> I, I would change my <laughs> beliefs around people. Like, I mean, it was crazy. Like I would live anything to make anyone not feel uncomfortable, I would do it. Like if it meant like setting myself on fire, I would keep them warm. Me too. And finally, finally I found theater though. So I, I, I started doing musical theater and I was like, oh my gosh, like this makes my voice come alive. Like I really felt like it was a space that I could expand and feel like really myself. And I ended up going to one of the top schools in the nation for, for college, for musical theater. And I was so lucky to have gotten in. It was incredible. But in my sophomore year, I was working with my voice teacher And she started saying things like, you should just quit. You need to leave. 
you should go to acting. You're never going to make it on Broadway. You're never going to make it as a singer. You can't hit these notes. Like, what are you going to do? Like, it's just total verbal abuse. And I was just at the point where I was like such a puddle of a human where, cause like, this is like everything I wanted. And this is the person you're supposed to please to the ends of the earth. And it's a people pleaser. I was like, what do I do to make (laughs) you happy? Right. Other than like rip my skin off basically. And so luckily I got up the, the guts to move to a different studio. But by that time, my confidence was so shattered mm-hmm. that my incredible new voice teacher sat me down. He's an incredible man, but he basically had to say like, your confidence is so low that it is affecting your levels here. You either have to perform a miracle or leave. Oh my God. And I just remember looking at, him, looking at him like so square in the face. Like I took a deep breath in and I was like, like just like animal came alive inside <laughs> me and just said like, watch me. It was just this like, like direct eye contact. And I never done anything like that before. And so I called my dad, who's a life coach. He's the OG life coach baker. And I called him just like in a puddle of tears and said, okay, this stuff that I learned when I was younger, the stuff that you guys have been talking about for years and years and years, I know it. I need to implement it because something's not working. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay. And so he started coaching me and it was to say that it was profoundly life-changing is such an understatement. I mean, Mm -hmm. I became a different human. Like it was amazing. And not a long story short, not that I, not only did I graduate cum laude, by the way, but I ended up now, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but now I end up going back to the school they asked me to come back and teach uh, workshops on perfectionism. So it's just, it's so funny how the full circle happens. It's so, it's so fun and I love it. It's so fun to like go back and talk to them, but um, it's, it's really, it really shows how powerful our minds are. And I, I fell in love with the work after that. And I, I stayed as a musical theater actor for a few more years, but it never gave me the same drive as personal development did. Mm-hmm. And so finally one day I was just like, you know what? I need to, I need to follow this path. And basically overnight I stopped acting. I was actually in a show that weekend. Whoops. But <laughs> I still finished the show, obviously. But I had like this big like come to Jesus moment, basically. Yeah. Um, and I just that was my last show. It was a wonderful experience, but it was the goodbye, and I've been coaching ever since. Ah, what a great story, Nicole. First of all, I mean, to see your transformation from being someone who was at their lowest. I ha- I love that you had a bring it on moment. You were like, whatever, yeah. like, I'm going to show you. <laughs> I like, love yes. that. Oh my God. That's the only way I'm going to describe it from now on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. Thank you. And I love what you talked about when you were, when you were talking about the subconscious and the mindset, like if you guys haven't noticed the name of the pint, the podcast is the mindset diet. So, oh my Ooh. God. <laughs> So if you couldn't tell, I it's like it's connected. It. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, and I, like Nicole, had a very similar, I mean, a completely different story, but a similar transformation when I shifted my mindset, my entire life changed. And for everybody out there who's wondering, what, like, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I shift? What is holding me back? It's your mindset. Because the minute you yeah. change it, and well, not the minute, ha ha ha, perfectionist, we'd love it if it would just be a minute that would be changed. Um, <laughs> Magic pill syndrome, is that right? you? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but once you start working on it, 
it's like an onion. There are so many layers to your mindset. And as you peel back one, you see another, you peel back another, and then you begin to see all this massive change in your life. And it's so amazing. So Nicole, thank you for sharing your story and for showing our audience what special wisdom you bring to the table for perfectionism. So, but I do want to talk about one of my favorite topics and the topic of the whole podcast, which is health and how our mindset shapes our health. And obviously with perfectionism, that affects the way that people handle their health a lot. So what would you say, or how does perfectionism affect our health and our health habits? I'm going to, I'm going to use an example. Please do. Um, Back when I was in college, uh, being a part of a musical theater school, there was a huge dance school. Mm-hmm. And in the dance school, whenever you had dance classes, which as a musical theater, you did quite often. Same thing with acting majors and with dance majors, obviously. Mm-hmm. We had weigh-ins. Oh, my God. And that is exactly what it sounds like. No way. Weigh-ins. It was I have a lot of choice words for that decision, but you know, we're going to, we're going to breeze on past that. But, um, I will never forget. There's a way in always right after Thanksgiving. I think it's like the Monday or Tuesday, right after Thanksgiving. And I just remember people coming back from Thanksgiving break, immediately cutting out water, food, going to the gym. The gym was always packed those two days. And it was like this hustle to make sure you were cutting it basically and making sure that you were staying at the quote, perfect weight. And I will never forget those, those three years that I spent those two days at school, like where everyone was just like, it was like, it was nightmares. But then after those two days, the calf was packed, you know, it's like everyone was like scourging themselves, Mm -hmm. but it's, it. I I bring this up because it's like, if there is something like, let's say for instance, I'll use the example of like a project at work. If there's something for a project at work that you feel so overwhelmed by, you procrastinate until the last minute and then you suddenly have to cram it in. A lot of people do that with health. Yeah, they do. And maybe it's like, you know, you go through your, you go through your week and you do everything. I'm going to heavy air quotes here again, perfectly maybe you eat the salad, you have the kale or whatever it is. And then over the weekend, you totally gorge yourself. And then it's like back to square one in your mind on Monday. And it's just like this, it really boils down to this like all or nothing syndrome, which is a branch in my opinion of perfectionism. And if you don't have the, like, like, let's say for instance, let's look back at my school. Like there was no like, oh, I'll have like a normal amount of water and I'll eat healthy those two days and just go in. Like it was, you're either binging or you are starving. And it was just this, this horrible all or nothing. And like, I mean, same thing with working out. Like there, I know some people who are like, well, if I go to the gym, I have to be there for like two hours. I have to grind my ass off. But the two hours, like if I'm, let's say it's a day I'm planning on Mm -hmm. going to the gym, but those two hours are suddenly really overwhelming. It's not, oh, I'll just go for 45 minutes. It's I'm not going to go at all. And instead, since I'm already a failure, I'm just going to binge eat. Oh my gosh. And it's like this, this, these two major drastics and it, it breaks my heart, but I also, I I lived it for so long. I actually, I don't know if you and I have Mm -hmm. talked about this stuff. I had a on and off eating disorder for many, many years and, uh, showed up in anorexia and a lot of different, um, disordered eating patterns. 
And it wasn't until I finally learned about like, like skies parted, angels started seeing moderation that I started having a really healthy relationship with food. And, um, it was, but it just never even occurred to me before because it was that all or nothing. And so I don't know if this answers your question, but that's just my thoughts. I mean, like, you know, my mind. <laughs> no, you, well, you touched on something that I mention a lot to my clients. And I see this, I see this all the time, which is such black and white thinking when it comes to health. Mm-hmm. You're either on it or you're off. You're either binging or you're restricting. You're either too much, like you're either at the gym for four hours or I'm never going. Like there is this dichotomy in the health space where like exactly what you said at the end, there's no moderation. People never talk about moderation. It's not sexy. No. It's not fun. It doesn't make anybody money. So it never comes up in conversation. And one of my favorite examples to give people, so I used to calorie count, Mm -hmm. okay? I calorie counted for like two years. I did macros. And if you've never done that, they will talk a lot about how it teaches you to have things in moderation. And I agree, it does It does teach you that to some degree. Um, but it also becomes so black and white because food becomes all about calories. Yeah. Like even to this day, I haven't calorie counted in probably two and a half years, but I could tell you the calories and like 90% of my food yeah. in the fridge, which is a blessing and a curse all at the same time. I don't want to know. And yet I do. Yeah. And- that black and white thinking seeps into everything when you're calorie mm-hmm. counting. Actually, you know what? It seeps, it seeps into everything, whatever diet you're doing, whether you're doing like, say you're doing like paleo or keto, yeah. you're either on or you're off. Yep. You're either in or you're out. You're restricting that food or you're eating it, all of it. People don't know how to, like you said, eat in moderation. A lot of people also just don't know how to make good choices for themselves. And the perfectionism comes in because people feel like, I have to be eating on this diet perfectly. Yeah. I have to be you know, following this plan to a T, if I go off for one second, then it's like a mudslide. Yes. Of just, oh, okay, well, I had one meal up and then another and then another and then another and then another. And then before you know it, you've binged all weekend and you wake up on Monday and you go, what the fuck did I just do to myself? Like what in the world? And then you beat yourself up like crazy and say you're a worthless piece of shit, which gives you no motivation to get back on track. And then you just tumble down the wheel. Like one of the things that I I could see being a culprit of it is like, let's say for example, you know, you're in the line to check out at the grocery store. Let's say you're at like Whole Foods or whatever. And you see this beautiful woman with a six pack and with like, uh, just like posing on the cover of whatever. And you see that and you say, that's what I need to be. And if I'm, and there's this little voice in your head that says, and if you're not that by next week, you're a failure. So then that like hustle, that like fire in your belly needs to go, go, go. So you have to only eat perfectly. You have to only exercise perfectly. You have to X, Y, and Z. And then when you don't get that immediate gratification, we tend to beat ourselves up and say, well, why fucking bother? Right? And I really think oh, that there's yes. like, I, like, I will never blame Google because Google has done so many good things or the internet for that matter. But <laughs> there is so much I want it now syndrome that has yeah. come out of the fact that we can know anything at the drop of a hat, but for the things that make us happy or for the things that make us whole and well and fulfilled, those take a minute, like, you know, like building your Mm -hmm. own business, getting quote healthy, whatever that looks like to you. Like these things all do take 
quite some practice and some healthy habit building and like all these big, big things. But a lot of the times we don't get it immediately and then we get discouraged and fall off the train, right? Are you tired of thinking about weight loss all the time? Do you wish you could wake up, work out, and eat healthy without any effort? Do you feel like you can't pursue your dream life because you aren't in your dream body? I've been there, and I help people every day take simple, actionable steps to feel better about themselves. When you work with me, we work on healing your relationship with food and exercise, crushing old and negative beliefs, setting new habits that not only make you feel great, but that you actually stick to. And we focus on building a life that you absolutely love, where your needs, wants, and dreams come first. If you're ready to change your life and start finally feeling confident, book a discovery call with me by clicking the link in the show notes. You deserve to feel amazing about yourself and love what you see in the mirror every single day. So book that call and get ready to change your life. Totally. And it takes time. It takes time. Like I loved when you said that it takes a long time. Like I will tell people often, like for me, I stopped calorie counting the beginning of the pandemic, whenever that was, honestly, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> whenever that was, I think it was almost two years ago. And it has oh, taken me a year and a half to get to where I am today, which is I eat from a place of something that makes me feel good. It's all about how foods make me feel mentally and physically. And, you know, it's a whole different mindset. And it mm-hmm. takes a long time. It takes a long time to see real change. It does. The cool thing, though, is that the the result takes a long time. The decision, though, happens in an instant, right? Exactly. And mm-hmm. like the like, I'll I'll never forget. I was I was actually right off of a a really rough knee injury, mm-hmm. um, that caused me to be literally having like on my left leg. It was in a demobilizer, not like really a cast, but a cast adjacent for so long because I couldn't get in to see a doctor that the muscles in my leg had fallen so much that I literally had to learn to walk again. Like I was Bambi. It was insane. But as you can imagine, it was like, honestly, it was fucking hilarious. I wish I had it on video. It's a very (laughs) fun memory because it was like, I literally felt like a Bambi character anyway. But, um, I, as you can imagine, like, you know, I was bedridden. I was like, not super active before that, but um, you know, like I was mediocrely active. I worked at restaurants for a while. So those 10,000 steps a day were happening, but I was eating like McDonald's every single day. I mean, I was eating crap that made me feel even crappier, which of course wasn't helping my body to heal by any means. But a while after I like learned to walk again and was back off my crutches and stuff, I finally had like an enough is enough moment. I was like, I am poisoning my body with the stuff that I put in. It was Mm -hmm. not from a place of vanity. It switched entirely from a place of vitality. And I was like, whoa, like I've never thought like this before. Like this is, it's not from like, I want to look in the mirror and love what I see. It's from a, I want to feel good on a daily basis. And that was a very in the moment decision. And that's when I decided to, hilarious, I actually decided to do Whole30. And um, while it really worked for me and I did it on and off for a few years, um, I now don't do it anymore because I I like the moderation a lot more. But um, I decided to like, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like, let's try this out. Let's see what happens. 
get this. My first trip to the grocery store was literally three hours. It was so oh my gosh. overwhelming. I was like, <laughs> I had to read everything. And I was like, there's sugar in everything. But it was really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And it was never from a place of fear or lack or shame or guilt. I decided to make this a really healing process. And oh, that decision yes. honestly shaped my life and with health. Like now I'm like, I, I do love clean eating. Like I eat grains and stuff like that again, cause I I'm a runner and if I don't have carbs, I will literally die. But, and that's all, mm-hmm. also most people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but like, it really just changed my whole view on, on health was from a place of vanity to vitality. Oh, I love that from vanity to vitality. I feel that in my bones. Ooh, slap that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I need that t-shirt. <laughs> but I needed to go through that the healing process. Mm-hmm. I needed to go through that healing process to learn like, wait, what is the root cause of me wanting to look a certain way? Is it for myself? Is it for other people? Is it so I feel perfect and like I belong and like I will be ostracized? Or is it from a place of like self-empowerment? Spoiler alert, it was not from self-empowerment when it was all about vanity. But when it was all about vitality, it was always from self-empowerment. It was always from a place of like, oh my gosh, like I feel good. That means I want to give more back. Like what I, a lot of the times I will, like if I like fall off, fall heavy air quotes again, like fall off the train or fall off the bandwagon and like, you know, eat a little unhealthy for a few days, I'll kind of like get back on track. And if my body's like, Oh, but what about those high, like sugar, you know, whatever foods Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll immediately start thinking like, is this going to make me show up as the coach that I want to be? And I will get back into my why, which is, I want to be on a certain energy level, not only for myself, but for my clients, for my partner, like all these different things. And when I attach it to that, it immediately shapes me back into the whole picture thinking. Like, this is not just about like in the moment bursts. It's about, okay, what do I look like as a, or like, what do I feel like as a whole? And how can I create that reality? Did that make sense? I don't know if that, that was a lot of ethereal thinking. <laughs> um, that was amazing. I wish I could highlight and underline and like give that to people <laughs> because that's something that I I talk about that so much with my clients about eating and making choices from a place of wanting to feel good. And when I mm-hmm. say that things take a long time, like when I said that before, I really meant more so in the way of like, it takes a little bit of time to figure out what you like, what makes you feel good. Yes. But like you said, once you get to that really deep why, that really deep why, mm-hmm. you make such different choices and it's so easy to make them i was gonna say neurologically what's what's going on in our brain neurologically when we're making those really deep-rooted choices is us as human beings we are um uh, we're we're motivated by two different things and two things alone basically and that is the need to Mm -hmm. obtain pleasure fulfillment joy fun good we'll make it this binary Mm -hmm. And the need to avoid pain, suffering, injury, hurt, fear. And when we attach a why to something, it is normally from a place of avoiding pain or gaining pleasure. I want to feel really good for my clients so I can give back every morsel of energy into them and still have stuff left over to really feel good about me, whatever. That is a leaning towards pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's like a, 
I want to um, be able to live longer to see my grandchildren, my great grandchildren and play with them and uh, take them on field trips and explore with them. That is like 80 years from now thinking, but that is a need to avoid pain because, oh no, excuse me, that is still a need to obtain pleasure. Let's say for example, it's like, I don't want to be on the couch uh, when my children are all playing outside, that's a need to avoid pain. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when we're attaching whys to things, we normally will go in one of those two options. And so actually I have my clients typically whenever we're attaching like a really big why to something, if they need to like create massive change in their lives, we'll do a deep dive into both of these things. And nine times out of 10, most people will say it was the pain, the need to avoid pain that actually got their ass in gear. Oh, I would agree with that totally. It seems really dramatic, but it is. <laughs> it is dramatic. It needs to be dramatic in order for you to change. No, but it. But really, when I, I think back to like a handful of years ago when I first wanted to get in shape, okay? I initially did that because I thought if I lose weight and if I keep it off, I'm safe. No one can hurt me. I will forever be wanted. Mm-hmm. Like I'm safe. <sighs> oh. And I, I know, like I held on to that for so many years, thinking that weight gain equaled lack of safety. Like I was not like people would leave me if I didn't wasn't in the perfect body. My friends wouldn't want to be friends with me. Like my relationships wouldn't succeed. Like no one would want me if I wasn't in this perfect body. And that pain, exactly what you were talking about, that pain drove me to the gym. It drove me to make those food choices. And it wasn't until I addressed that pain that I was able to change my why. Because you have to work through that. You have to work through the pain. And now my why, you you and I talk about this all the time, Nicole. Like for me, my why is so different Mm -hmm. now. It's because like, listen to the difference. This this will give you guys like a good perspective into what this looks like. Before, like, oh my God, I'm unloved if I'm not thin. Okay, that was before. Now – I make choices every day because I actually really love myself. I love to work out. I enjoy it so much. The mental health benefits, the blood sugar regulation. For me, I get migraines. It helps to prevent migraines because I'm, my body is better operating It improves my hormones. I'm a happier person. I do it now because I love the way it feels. And I eat for that exact same reason too. I eat in ways that make my body feel good. Things that make me feel nourished. Exactly like you said, being able to show up as the coach you want to be. Being able to show up as the person I want to be. Yes. Because you can't show up as that person if you're sick, exhausted, yes. and tired. Oh my God. I think back to when I was just living in that like constant, like all or nothing, or like I was eating McDonald's all the time and like cursing myself inwardly for like mm-hmm. not being good enough or whatever. Um, I just remember so often feeling that like, oh gosh, what did you just say? It was so perfectly said. Oh gosh. It's okay. No, 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 no worries. Um, I remember feeling that constant like weight on my shoulders of like, just be better, just be better. And it's like, when, when I was in that place, my, my pain and my pleasure were so attached to like that instant, like, uh, gratification. And I, I didn't address the root cause of it. So I would really urge anyone to list like who's listening, who is maybe stuck in a a pattern of um, that all or nothing or a pattern of like, they'll either slam their foot on the gas or they will only binge eat or they will, you know, or they have a really unhealthy relationship. It's like that inner work, the inner fear lying behind that, that 
is the the mm-hmm. root of the weed that you need to rip out of the garden. A lot of the times, you you and I have talked about this stuff. Like a lot of the times, diet culture is like going out into your garden and seeing a whole fuck ton of weeds and just clipping off the teeny tiny tips of them. Ah, oh, yes. That's not gonna cause them to go away. Like, but when you identify what the root fear is behind looking a certain way or gaining weight or why you feel like you need to work out in order to be X, like when you identify the root shit of that, that's when you rip the weed out of the garden. And that's when you get to plant flowers. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I wish once again, I wish I could bold it, underline (laughs) it, highlight it, the whole thing, because that's exactly Mm -hmm. it. If you are addressing the what I'm going to call the surface level issue, which is what a diet addresses, yep. you're never going to pull that weed out of yep. that garden. You're never, you're never going to get to the root mm-hmm. cause of what got you there. Because I'm going to tell you something. You did not overeat or you did not skip three meals because of a diet. That happened because of something that happened in your life. Yep. And until you start addressing that, that issue, that the overeating, the undereating, whatever it is, whichever you struggle with, it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. And I mean that in the kindest way possible. <laughs> the best the best part about all of this is that if you work with a coach, and I'm not just saying this because like, oh, I'm a coach and Nicole's a coach, like no bullshit. We both mm-hmm. have coaches. Um, when you work with someone to help you with this, you get from zero to 60 so much faster than if you were ever doing this yourself. Like it took me a long time myself because A, it took me a while to hire Nicole because I hadn't met Nicole. Um, But because I didn't work on my internal stuff for about a year into that journey. Like it can take a long time if you're doing it yourself. It takes probably like half to a quarter of the time if you're working with a coach because they have been there in your shoes and they can help guide you out of it. There's such a sense of pride that we have that we as a society have created around this like do it yourself oh yes like if you struggle and you like like you know go through the mud and the blood sweat and tears and that makes you more whatever more um, uh, powerful more important more significant whatever it is when in actuality it just makes you more tired. And no- normally, if you are experiencing that, you're going to get to that ending point and say, okay, what's next? And look at back at how much you still have yet to do. Like, I've seen this over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and it frustrates the hell out of me. But also, I did it for years. Like, it's like, I can call it out so easily. Me too. But, me too. <laughs> I mean, we all do. There's a sense of like, uh, pride or accomplishment around me. Like if I do it myself, then I'm good or whatever. But if you ask for help, that means Mm -hmm. you couldn't cut it. Or if you ask for help, that means you're already a failure or like you're just trying to make it easier on yourself and easier isn't better. And that just like Mm -hmm. one of the biggest gifts I've ever received was when I started working with my coach right now at my business coach, she like Literally, I was struggling in my business for like a year and a half. I was like, I feel like I'm screaming into the void. I feel like nothing's happening. And she came along right at the perfect time. And I went from working four jobs, four jobs, two part-time, one full-time because it was my own business and another part-time oh my God, to Nicole. going full-time <laughs> in my own business. Like literally, it was crazy. In under, I'm trying to, it, like under 14 months, we'll say, because I think it was Oh my gosh. Months. But- 
that was insanity and it worked on no it was actually way faster that excuse me it was under a year um math it's hard but <laughs> I, I never would have done that if it weren't for someone a pushing me out of my comfort zone someone making me look my demons in the face and say okay like time to confront these because you're not getting to the next level unless you do this and totally. someone to like cut out all the bullshit. Like a lot of the times we feel like we have to do 80 million things in mm. order to get to our goal. When in actuality, we just need to do one or two or 10. I exactly. see this all the time in perfectionists. It's like they're scrambling around. They're feeling like they're doing all these different things. And I'm like, okay, is any of these things actually getting to you to your goal? And they're like, maybe one, maybe one of them. And I'm like, well, what about this really big, scary thing that would actually get you 50% of the way to your goal? What about that thing? And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, that's out of my comfort zone. Yeah. It's like, that exactly. The little shit is in your comfort zone. Being busy, feeling like a chicken with your head cut off is in your comfort yep. zone. Addressing the big thing that is going to get you 50% of the way to your goal, but it's only one thing that is out of your comfort zone. So your brain's going to always pick the quote, easier thing. Totally. So I would just really urge anyone who's listening to, to address, like, if you're feeling like a chicken with your head cut off, if you feel like you're trying a million different things and nothing's working, it is probably because you're doing the, 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 um, you're doing 80 million things, but you're not addressing the one thing that's actually going to get you forward. Uh, yes. Or you're doing 80 million things, but only two of them actually need to be done. Totally. You're not prioritizing. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Learning prioritizing was probably one of the most productive lessons I ever sat in. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And like, I love what you mm -hmm. said too. You were talking about how in our culture, asking for help is like considered weakness. Like yeah. I am weak. That's why I need help. Not I am strong yeah. and I ask for the things that I need. Yep. And we need to change that narrative. That's just a whole nother side note. Yes. But... <laughs> Yeah, I so agree. <laughs> right? Like you, if you need help, like if you are struggling and you aren't sure how to take the next steps, whether it's with a job, a relationship, friends, health, perfect, like pick a category. If you are struggling to move forward with it, like whether it's Nicole or I or anybody else, okay, talk yeah. to someone who can help get you there faster because your time is so valuable. No, no, literally you nailed it. Like your time is so valuable. And the nice thing is that so many coaches, therapists, mentors, people in the field that you are wanting to get into or get better at, there are so many people who offer free sessions so yeah. that you can mm -hmm. see if it works, works for you. See if you speak their language, like, you know, exactly. Uh, I, it just, uh, there's nothing stopping you except for your own bullshit. Like mm -hmm. I hate to call it out so directly. No, but call it out. <laughs> well, like this whole, I don't have the time or, um, I hear, I don't have the money a lot. Like I, I believe me, I totally get that. And there's a coach at every price point. I will go ahead and say that, mm -hmm. but the, I don't have the time one specifically is such a lame excuse because you find the time to go to the grocery store. You can automate that. You find the time to, um, watch Netflix for a few hours before going to bed. You can cut that out one night a week to meet with your coach or your mentor, or your therapist yeah. to get you to your goals. Like the amount of, um, excuses that people let their brains take over and just drive them 
it, it drives me insane. <laughs> like it, it, there's so much that is only, it's you just getting in your own way. So the sooner you choose you over what's easy, the sooner you get to step into that life of just full fulfillment. And like, you know, I see this in perfectionists so often. They'll daydream all the time about this perfect version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they'll think, well, I'm not living that now, so I suck. Or I'm not living that life now, so I'm a failure. Or I shouldn't even bother. Or they just beat themselves up and then they get to throw themselves a huge old pity party. The fact that you see it means that you can be it. Mm-hmm. But you have to take action and get your ass in the gear. You do. Okay. Stepping down off my high horse. No. I'm getting oh, winded. <laughs> no, no, but you do. And you mentioned something earlier. I want to circle back to it because it, it's exactly what you were talking about. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable. That's it. Yes. If you can get comfortable yes. being uncomfortable, which no one really gets comfortable being uncomfortable. You just you, – you get to different levels. Nope. <laughs> Um, but new level, new devil, right? New level, new devil. Um, if you can begin allowing discomfort, like that's really kind of step one. You have to go, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be weird and I'm going to feel, you know, whatever. If you allow yourself to be uncomfortable and start taking steps forward, whether it's with health, perfectionism, like we said, pick a category. You're going to be 10 steps farther ahead than everybody else who chose to stay comfortable. And until you can wrap your mind around that, like that's, that's where kind of the mindset work comes in. That, that's what Nicole and I are really talking about. It's working on what goes on in your brain so that you can become uncomfortable, take yeah. action, start doing things, start seeing results. Because like for example, this I have a good health example for this. Like if you've never been to the gym before, if that's really uncomfortable for you, like for me, I like to lift weights and I'll never forget the first day in the weight section. I was so intimidated. It was like me and like maybe one other girl was in the weight section. There were like a hundred men. And I was like, oh my God, like I am yeah. so uncomfortable right now. Like I'm so being judged. Like Whoa. no one gave two shits that I was there. I felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't been willing to be uncomfortable on that day, there's no way I would have gone back a second time or a third time or fourth time. Here's something I want to highlight. When you left the gym that day after your workout, did you feel fucking proud of yourself? Or were you like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, I beat myself up. Oh, goddamn right. I was proud. Exactly. And that's what people forget to realize is that when you leap out of your comfort zone and do some scary shit, it like you walk out of that experience feeling like, Superwoman. I was gonna say like a or Superman or superhero, (laughs) like like a queen. You walk out of it feeling like this whole new high that like Netflix could never give you. (laughs) It's just exactly. It is such a a special experience. Like I will receive messages all the time from from clients who are you know like taking an action or something that we talked about on our call, and they they did it in a few days later and they totally got out of their comfort zone and they're just like on this crazy high feeling so good about themselves. And it's just like, that's it. That's Ah. why this is so important. It doesn't make you more afraid. It makes you you more badass. It makes you feel more. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. And I love what you said earlier too, about making time. Like, I just want to emphasize that to people too. Like in Mm. your life, you choose your priorities because you choose what you give your time to. 
And if you really want to make something important, you have to give your time to it. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to do a lot of these things. And it can seem overwhelming, like, oh my God, I have to be uncomfortable. I have to sacrifice all my time. But like we said earlier, once you get to that really deep why, making those decisions, getting uncomfortable, doing all of this becomes so much easier. You're like, sure, I'll get uncomfortable, whatever. This is my dream. (laughs) Sure, I'll get uncomfortable, whatever, because it's aligned. Yes. I also want to highlight, like, what will staying in your comfort zone cost you? Yes. Getting back into that pain and pleasure, avoiding pain, gaining pleasure. If you really want to hit the nail on the head, wanting to drive home that why behind avoiding pain, ask yourself that question. What will staying in my comfort zone cost me? Not just five weeks from now or five days from now or a year from now. I'm talking 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. What will it cost you down the line? And then tell me you don't feel fucking motivated to go after your goals. Oh my God, you just motivated me. (laughs) But but seriously, it's not just about like what you're going to do today. I love that. You were like, what are you going to be doing 10 years, 20 years, 30 years Mm -hmm. from now? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? And not just five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. What kind of person do you want to be? And then Nicole, you also use, oh, you use the best word ever. You go, what is it going to cost you? Not what's it going to get you. What's it going to cost you to stay comfortable? Oh, that's like one of my favorite questions. (laughs) It's a good question. (laughs) But it's such a good question. It's, it's really, really powerful. It's, it's so powerful because it really, it costs you your entire life, everything you've dreamed of all because you don't want to get uncomfortable. Right, doesn't that make you exhale? You're like, oh shit. <laughs> Makes me think, I was like, okay, what am I staying in my comfort zone on? Like, what can I do to get out of my comfort zone? Right. What can I do? What can I motivate yeah. myself to do? <laughs> Uh, well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. I think our audience is going to get so much out of this podcast. I mean, I took so many notes. I was writing down little nuggets. I mean, there's so much good stuff in this podcast, but before we go, is there anything else that you want to share with everybody before we end the show? You know, making a full circle back to, we have those, those different patterns of perfectionism, whether it's in the health field and the business field and the um, yeah, the, the the personal development field. Like there's so many different things, but there's these different patterns in perfectionism. And I actually developed a, well, it morphed into a quiz um, where it's the three different types of perfectionists and you can find out which one you are. Um, but what good would finding out what type you are without getting next steps, in my opinion. So instead of just figuring out what type you are, <laughs> you'll also get an um, immediate exercise that you can do as well as an affirmation for each type, because we can be each type in different scenarios, even throughout our day or throughout our year in different seasons of life. So um, I have all those resources on lifecoachbaker.com forward slash quiz it is totally free. It's a free quiz. It's really, really fun for people to take. I've gotten awesome feedback from people who are like, how dare you at me so hard? Um, but that's, <laughs> that's a big one. And then I also have a podcast as well. It's called the Life Coach Baker Podcast. Um, if you like this style of talking, you'll probably like that as well. But um, let's see. You can also find me on Life Coach Baker on Instagram. And yeah, those are the big ones. Awesome. I will tell you that quiz is so much fun. I took it. I was all three. Um, 
which I feel like probably happens to a lot of people. Yep. Um, and her podcast is amazing. Actually, for a lot of people don't know this, that's actually how I found Nicole. Mm-hmm. I was wanted to become a life coach and I was looking up podcasts, found Nicole's podcast. She kills it. You have to listen to it. And if you're hunting for her Instagram, I very often will share her videos because they crack me up and they <laughs> add me so much. So <laughs> if you can't find her, check her out on my Instagram, self-confidence with Steph. Um, but Nicole, thank you so, so much for being on. This was so much fun and we'll have to have you back. Thank you so much, love. This was so incredibly fun. And I want to just highlight for people, if you are struggling with health and confidence, get on a free discovery call with Steph. Like she, she is one of the most gifted coaches I have ever come across. It is like in her blood, it's in her DNA and just, you're going to transform so many lives. So if you guys, seriously, if that's something that you feel called to do, don't hesitate, hop on with her because she is just transforming lives left and right. And it's an honor, an honor to coach you. Oh my God, Nicole, make me cry on my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. (laughs) No, I just love you so much. And you're so good at what you do. I just, I'm, I'm amazed and constantly blown away by you. Truly. Hashtag blessed. Oh my God. Nicole, thank you so much. And if you do want to book a discovery call with me, I do have the link in the show notes. You can hit it there. And if you guys have any questions for me, you can also ask me there. Uh, But thank you so much again, Nicole. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindset Diet Podcast. I hope you got something really fantastic out of the episode today and are one step closer to shifting your mindset around food and exercise. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Can't wait to chat again soon. Bye-bye.